So as is tradition, the fourth Sunday of the seven Sundays out of Easter is Good Shepherd Sunday. If you didn't pick up on that fact from the opening hymn or the sermon hymn or Psalm 23, or even from John chapter 10, one and two, where Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep namely Jesus himself. We are all sheep, whether or not we are Christian or simply out there in the world. The question is not, are you a sheep? The question is actually, who is your shepherd? Everybody has some kind of shepherd, even if they are self-shepherding. But is the good shepherd your shepherd? And what difference does it make? Psalm 23 it's probably the best known of all the passages of scripture. If there's anything other than John chapter 316 that people know, it is probably Psalm 23. But we've never really spent a lot of time looking at each of these verses because what they do is describe what a good shepherd does. What it is that Jesus does in contrast to what happens if we try and shepherd ourselves or let the world be our shepherd. Our good shepherd makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. I spent the earlier part of this week at a conference just outside Niagara Falls. We could actually walk out of the conference center and look out and see the mist rising from the Niagara River. And if there's anything that would be qualifying as not being still water, it's Niagara River. Um, in fact, there's signs all along the walkway along the river warning there is a danger of drowning. The thought in my mind was danger of drowning. This is the Niagara River and the Niagara Falls. A good shepherd leads you by still waters, not raging waters that are going to leave you over the side of a cliff. And yet, and yet we're all looking for some kind of shepherd in the world. We've seen a rise in addictions in our society, addictions of all kinds, addictions to drugs or alcohol or work or sex or any one of a number of things that you could probably come up with on your own. We're dealing with an opioid crisis in the United States, which of course has overflowed up into Canada. British Columbia is dealing with it in a particularly horrific way. And one teacher I listened to once said that addictions are their own kind of shepherd. It's a recognition that we are sheep and that we want to get back to the garden, the garden that we were cast out of by our own disobedience, Adam and Eve's decision to know good and evil rather than knowing God as their shepherd. So we try and find even simple substances or actions that will make us feel like we are back in the sheepfold again. But it doesn't work. All it does is takes us further and further away from still waters and instead dumps us into the raging torrent of Niagara Falls itself. Jesus wants to be a good shepherd. He wants to be the one that feeds both body and soul. The one who can tell us the way back to the garden and the way is him. He himself is the way. He is the one who says he is going to relieve us of guilty consciences. We don't need to imbibe something or smoke something or participate in something to somehow 
get rid of those feelings of shame that we have that weigh us down. Jesus says, come to me and I will take that from you. Or fear of death, which is another thing that addictions try to do. We try and find a pasture that we can go and lie down in that will take away that fear that somehow, some way, perhaps sooner than we expected, we are going to be face to face with our end. Jesus says, I will shepherd you in such a way that you do not need to fear death, or I will be the one to guide you through it to the other side. A good shepherd restores our souls. This is also something we talk a lot about in our society, to fill up our souls again, to renew our spirits. We want to have a spa day. Perhaps if we go out to the Nordic spa out there between the North Shore and Laval for a day or two, we will have our our souls and spirits restored in such a way that we can go back to life feeling a little bit inwardly renewed. People turn to still power crystals or Buddhism or meditation, all of which, all of which turn us inward, inside to try and find some inner peace here. But that's where the raging waters are. That's where the shame is. That's where the guilty conscience is. That's where the fear of death is. If we look down inside ourselves, there's anything but peace there. Jesus says, look to me. I will shepherd you so that you don't have to shepherd yourself. I will turn you out of the cesspool and the whirlpools of what's going on inside you to me. To know that even one dying on a cross can pronounce peace on their enemies, can ask for forgiveness for those who are crucifying him, can say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And you will find peace for your souls in this good shepherd. A good shepherd leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Everybody wants to follow paths of righteousness, unless, of course, perhaps you're with the mafia. But I think even in the mafia, you've got some sense that what you're doing is right because you're doing it for the familia. You're doing it for the family. There was a time when people talked about a worry that society was just turning into a bunch of relativists and everything goes sort of mindset. You do your thing and I'll do my thing. Many decades ago, I said, I don't think that's where we're headed at all. I think we're actually headed towards a much more dangerous place, which is that we all are trying to find paths of righteousness, but without a good shepherd to lead us. We actually live in an ought society where we're surrounded by people and things and agencies always trying to tell us what you should do and what you shouldn't do. You think the Ten Commandments is a long list? Just watch TV or listen to radio or read the internet. The list is far longer than the Ten Commandments. You need to drive this. You need to work here. You need to eat that. You need to recycle these things. The list goes on and on and on. And if you do not do all these things that you ought to do, you'll be shunned, disrespected, told that you just don't care about other people, about your neighbors, about society, about the globe itself. The problem with all these odds 
is they become very, very heavy. It's a heavy yoke to have to wear all of these oughts on our shoulders, always constantly wondering if we are going to do the thing that gets us canceled with friends or family or even our own church. Jesus comes along as a good shepherd and says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light because our yoke is to understand that, yes, we are sinners, but we cannot save ourselves. And yes, Jesus saves us because he does the heavy lifting. He declares himself as our good shepherd to be the truth the life, and the way of righteousness. A good shepherd does not abandon his people when they walk through the valley of the shadow of death. In fact, those who walk through the valley of the shadow of death with a good shepherd will fear no evil, for they know that their shepherd is with them and that his rod and his staff comfort them. The greatest fear that most humans have is precisely the fear of death. It is the one thing we are constantly trying to avoid, to pretend like somehow we can put it off indefinitely into the future. One of my favorite lines from a Rush song is that when you're young, you think that you are immortal, but you realize it's only for a limited time. We are not immortal. Our death will come at some point, and we will do anything we can to avoid it. We put people in nursing homes and then don't visit them so we don't have to see what our future might look like. We put people in hospitals and then don't visit them so we don't have to see what illness looks like. And then we live in fear of what might happen to us. What's interesting about the good shepherd is that he doesn't say, I will build a well-paved bypass for you around the valley of the shadow of death. He walks with us through it. That when we see the mouth of that canyon coming, we know that we will be comforted as we walk through it. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 through 15 says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, that would be us, Jesus himself likewise partook of the same things that through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. I think that is a powerful, powerful illustration of what it means to be shepherded in this world. Are you shepherded by one who simply leads you deeper into the slavery of the fear of death? Or someone who can break your bonds and say you no longer need to look at death as something to fear, but know that when the valley of the shadow of death looms before you, someone who has already passed through death will be there alongside you. Jesus has a rod and a staff. Shepherds had rods and staffs to beat off both wild animals and thieves to protect their sheep from the people coming against them. And Jesus's rod and his staff were nailed together at the middle. It's his cross. Because it was with his cross that Jesus beat back the devil 
and the power of death over us. So that he could now prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Someone who could anoint our head with oil so that our cup overflows. Just like Jesus doesn't build a bypass around the valley of the shadow of death, he doesn't say, I'm going to make it so that your enemies are all cast away to some other place, to some other planet, that everyone who surrounds you from now on in in this life will only be friends and well-wishers. Jesus does the much more powerful thing, which is to say, even while we are surrounded by enemies, he will come and set a table for us, that we might feast with him while our enemies surround us. For this is a gracious thing, Peter writes, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. If when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. That's why Jesus didn't come and pull us out of Montreal and Slovakia and India and the Caribbean and take us to go to some paradisical place where we could feast forever. He actually comes and sets the feast in our neighborhoods, in our cities, the place where we live and move and have our being, sets it with his own body and blood and feeds us as a shepherd looks after his sheep. So that surely goodness and mercy can follow us all the days of our life. And we can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Whoever your shepherd is, can they promise you an eternal dwelling? Can they promise you a safe place forever? Can they promise you that you will be with someone who loves and cares for you even to the end of the age? Jesus can and does. He doesn't just want to be the good shepherd. He wants to be your shepherd. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came that you may have life abundantly and dwell in his sheepfold forever. For he is the shepherd the good one, your shepherd. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.